The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. <laughs> So um, quite a few of you picked standing up, and um, um, I will just say it's a great one. It's a great one to look at, um, and I'll say it's also challenging, as, as Diana mentioned, partly because there's so much momentum as you are getting up. You know, it's often we, a thought arises in our mind, oh, I need to do that, and we're in that thought and we get up before we, we notice it. So it's a great one. And what I would just say is be patient with yourself about how hard it is. Um, um, so, so just, that's fine. And, and some people who've started with standing up, and if you're new to this, if this is the first time you've done this retreat, um, and you play with standing up for a day and you just feel like it's, it, it is just too hard, you could try sitting down because it's a little bit easier <laughs> um, uh, to catch. So, so I just offer that. It's, uh, the, the standing up is a great one because it, it does reveal a lot as we go through the week, a lot about motivation, a lot about... Um, um, you know the, the inner life. You, you really can start to see the, the 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 momentum in the mind that is carrying you out of your chair. So and and to see that it's the it's the mind that motivates movement. Likewise with the phone, very similar in some ways. You know the the movement of mind. Often, as as one of you mentioned, I think it was Ida. Is it Ida? Um, there's a kind of a boredom or a kind of a spacing out and it's just like just a little boredom and it's like can I be entertained and and just reaching for that phone for entertainment and so there's often a, with the phone there can be a um, a kind of a little checked outness that precedes the, uh, the the touching of the phone and so you begin to kind of infuse it it, it can begin to infuse a um, an awareness into that boredom beforehand um, and so that's you know so that's a different kind of of practice in the in the standing up often there is something that we need to do sometimes it's boredom that we get up but often it's oh I have to do that and we you know we we jump out of our chair because of a of a strong pull with the reaching for the phone often it's not so much of a pull for any to anything in particular it's just wanting to get away from this boredom and so uh, you may notice as you recognize the reaching for the phone in that, in that particular state. I mean, there are definitely times when we reach for the phone. It's like, oh, I need to know this or um, got to check this. Or, and, and sometimes the reaching for the phone here will happen um, when it rings or something. And so that's not as much your initiation. So noticing the difference between when you're reaching for the phone that it's your initiation and when it's... Um, it's a response to, to the phone. So with the, you know, the reaching for the phone when it's your initiation, it may start, you may start to recognize that state of mind of, of boredom. And what you might notice is that, oh, this is boredom. I don't actually need to reach for the phone. And so the awareness might actually um, create the conditions for the... Uh, for the the task to not happen, 
And that's, that's fine. That's, that's great if that, if that happens. So, so in that case, it kind of switches more to the observation of the mind state that precedes the, the reaching for the phone. Um, so the um, question about the hindrances and feeling like the, the, um, um, the reactive emotions don't fall into the categories, was that Nancy? Okay. Impatience. Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, impatience is a reactive emotion, and it, for you, you can check. Um, there, there are differences. At times, impatience is more about uh, sense desire. It's kind of like, like, I was impatient when I was a child for Christmas to come. You know, so that's, that's kind of the impatience for something good to happen. And then at times the impatience is, is more about wanting this thing to end because it's unpleasant. And that's ill will. And ill will is, is basically, I mean, ill will is, um, it's the translation of the Pali, um, which basically means it's kind of like not liking this. Um, you know, ill will sounds perhaps strong, but it, it can be as subtle as just not liking. So it, the ill will, the, the hindrance, ranges from subtle dislike to, you know, full-on, get rid of this or destroy this. The ill will can have different flavors also. And this is useful to look at in terms of how you are with ill will. Um, Another word I sometimes use is aversion. Uh, aversion may be a, an easier word to connect with in terms of um, the wide variety of emotions that relate to aversion. Um, so the, you, know, the, the, um, you might look for yourself whether your response with aversion is get me out of here or destroy that thing. <laughs> you know, it, 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 can, it can kind of be a, a lashing out response or a taking away response. But basically, when we are experiencing aversion or ill will, the desire is to separate. And so the, the kind of uh, nature of, of ill will or aversion is to separate us from something unpleasant. So it's usually in relationship to something unpleasant. Ill will has that. But, you know, some of the emotions you, you list, frustration and, um, in particular, uh, frustration and impatience, they are different depending on the situation. So frustration can also be kind of like um, if, you're, if you're frustrated because you really, you're leaning towards something and you can't get it. it sometimes the, the upper level emotion might be the wanting at other times, the upper-level emotion might be the, the kind of the anger that I don't get it, um, that I don't have that thing. So it, it will vary in some of the reactive emotions. And many of the reactive emotions also have blends of these hindrances. So one of the things I think about um, the Buddha, you know, he really just kind of, he didn't, he didn't name in many places, there are a couple of places where he named a kind of a, a range of emotions. But mostly he, he talked sim in more simple way. Um, in particular, he emphasized greed, aversion, delusion. 
And, and any reactive emotion that we have is a combination of those things in some fashion. And likewise, the, the hindrances also can come into play. The hindrances are a little finer um, gradation of greed, aversion, and delusion. Um, and so it's, uh, it's just kind of recognizing, again, it's pointing back to the human experience of, of when we are in reactivity, these factors of the hindrances are coming together. Sometimes frustration might, might be experienced as a combination of ill will and um, sloth, kind of a collapsing. It's like, you know, so the, the sloth being that kind of um, the mind that just feels like sludge and just can't do anything. And sometimes frustration can put us into that space. It's like, ah, oh, I'm not getting this thing and I hate that. And, oh, you just feel like I collapse. And so that's this combination of sloth and, um, and ill will in that frustration. Other times, frustration might be kind of more like the desire and restlessness. It's like, oh, I want that thing, and how do I get it? The mind kind of pounding against it. And so the, um, the, the exploration of the hindrances is kind of dropping a level below the normal emotions in a way. So it's a little more challenging. And yet, um, if what you're noticing is something like irritation or impatience, holding that and then being curious about the flavors of these five pieces that might be coming up in that. And again, that's just kind of dropping into a more, oh, this is a human a human experience, you know, I think partly I'm inspired by the Buddha having been able to articulate these things. It's just, oh, this is, these are the five basic, um, you know, things that get in the way of our mindfulness. And how, you know, something like irritation is a kind of a blending of these or, or impatience is a blending of them. So I hope that's a little bit helpful. Um, Sloth. What is sloth? Oh, wait. First I'll come to um, um, just a comment about um, one of you um, mentioned. <laughs> Sorry, you have to leave. I'm just getting ready to say something about what you mentioned. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> um, um, picking, picking things that happen so much during the day, you know, using hands and uh, any kind of use of hands. Um, for you, you have quite a, a, an experienced practice. You do a lot of practice in daily life, and so that's great. And I would also encourage you to be very patient with yourself about how many you'll miss. <laughs> um, and just to, just to say that, um, um, you know, sometimes uh, if you can be patient with yourself, that's... That's, a, that's, that's useful to pick something that kind of is a stretch. And yet, if you find that you've picked something that's a stretch and you just feel like giving up because it's too hard, pick something easier. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the, the hope here is that what we're exploring is something that feels light enough and easy enough that you want to do it. And if you find that it's heavy or that you're you're feeling like, oh, this is just too much, forget it, I'm just, you know, then, then pick, pick something else. So, but I, th I think you'll be able to do it, but, you know, just, I, it just occurred to me to say that for the whole group. So. Um, and then, um, 
Something about sloth. Sloth and torpor. Um, so this hindrance is, I would say basically, it's related to low energy states. And sometimes in, um, in exploring it, it, it feels like fog or dullness or just like we're, you know, we can't, we can't connect. Sometimes it feels like a, a disconnection from experience. Um, and yet, if you can notice that, if you, if you can, sometimes when we're disconnected, we're completely disconnected. We're not aware that it even feels like we're disconnected. We're just in some dream or some world. But then there are times when we're aware of feeling like we're in a fog. And that, um, that is beginning to be aware of this state of sloth. The sloth can, can include many different flavors. It could, so low energy states. It might just be feelings of heaviness, of dullness, of... Um, um, cloudiness. So some of it can be physical, a physical feeling. Some of it mental. Uh, the mental feelings are, are um, you know, the cloudiness, the, the dullness of mind, the disconnection from experience. Um, um, sleepiness is a manifestation of this. Um, so, so that flavor of experience. And we often think we often believe that sleepiness, low energy, cloudiness, dullness means that we are not mindful. It means that we can't be mindful. And we think we have to change that state in order to be mindful. Um, and what I'd like to explore with you, for those of you, a couple of you mentioned sloth. Yeah, and um, um, if you can know, oh, this is low energy. This is this this I f- this is the feeling of being disconnected. Then you are aware of sloth. Mindfulness is knowing sloth in that state. It's knowing that torpor, that 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 mind of dullness, that mind of low energy. Um, I, I often use the analogy of a mirror. And mindfulness is... You know, mindfulness, the, the, the job of mindfulness in some ways is, is a reflective um, job. The t- the, what mindfulness does is it reflects experience. And we know what it's reflecting. It's, it's not... It's not um, when we are mindful, we know what the mind is knowing. Um, and so, you know, mindfulness itself is not, does not have an agenda about what it knows or what it's aware of. Uh, mindfulness itself just reflects. So like a mirror reflects, like a mirror reflects whatever's in front of it. And the reflecting power of the mirror is not impacted by what it reflects. The mirror has the same reflecting power when it's reflecting something beautiful or when it's reflecting something ugly. It, it, uh, it, it doesn't matter whether it's reflecting a flower or a decomposing corpse. The reflecting power of the mirror is unchanged. 
Now, think about that mirror if it's coated with steam. If we're standing in front of a mirror and it's coated with steam, we may think, the mirror's not doing its job, I need to fix the mirror, wipe it off so I can see it myself. You know, this is the, we have an agenda for the job we want the mirror to do, which is to reflect me. So, so we do something to the mirror. Um, but we know, based on the way mirrors work, that the mirror is actually perfectly reflecting every drop of water that's on that mirror. It's doing its job. It's just not doing the job we want it to do in that moment. And very similarly, when there's sloth and torpor, we can know, oh, this is a dull mind. Often it it can feel unpleasant, especially if we're resisting it, if we don't like sloth and torpor. Um, And I'd say sleepiness in particular, if we're resisting sleepiness, and we often do that in meditation, uh, sleepiness will be really unpleasant if you're resisting it. And yet, sleepiness itself, when you're not resisting it, is very pleasant. And so uh, we, can, we can start to see that uh, how different um, relationships to sloth and torpor can really change the feeling of it. So sometimes resistance adds like it, it, it like adds a level of extra reverberation of unpleasantness to that state. We have ideas about sloth and torpor. We think we can't be present. We think we can't do things. We think our mind has to change in order to accomplish things. And yet we may, and it's been surprising to me as I have explored sloth and torpor, we may be able to um, be aware. I mean, first of all, when we're curious about what's happening, you know, it's like, oh, this is, this is the experience of, of a dull mind. Yeah, this is what it feels, the heaviness, the kind of feeling of a fog in the mind. That's what it's like. The mindfulness can know that. So in terms of mindfulness, mindfulness is doing its job there. But we often want it to do another job. We want it to have some clarity. We want to see things clearly. And so a little bit of patience, because in that exploration of, oh, this is the experience of sloth and torpor. We are no longer caught by sloth and torpor if we're not resisting it, but we're just knowing it. And mindfulness is being cultivated in that. Now, there are times, especially in our daily lives, where we may need to, um, to push through sloth and torpor in order to do something. But what I'd suggest is that if you can, what I found, at least in my own experience, is that when I can fully know sloth and torpor, it's like, oh. And, and actually what I found for myself is that it was helpful to explore it in terms of low energy. Like, oh, really low energy happening right now. And I recognized in this, you know, I spent a couple of years really exploring low energy states in my meditation. And... Um, noticed a lot of beliefs around them, like, wow, you know, just, there's no way to be mindful right now. And yet, what I noticed is I noticed, oh, this is a low energy state. And I recognize, and seeing's happening, 
And hearing's happening. I'm not doing it. It's just happening. And so there was a recognition that even with that low energy feeling of, of cloudiness or dullness, there was information coming in. And if I wasn't fighting the sloth and torpor, there was actually more energy available to meet the experience of what's going on. You know, so, so in, in the sloth and torpor area, it can be really helpful to not fight it, to, to use the mindfulness to meet it and connect with it and then see what can be explored, what can be done in, uh, you know, ha- there's, there's a lot more capacity we have when the mind is dull or sleepy or cloudy or fuzzy than we give ourselves credit for. Because we think this is, the, 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 extra, the extra bit that's going on is this is not okay. I've got to fix this. I've got to change this. We're fighting with it. And boy, does that take a lot of energy. And it, it like spirals us inside of the sloth and torpor and doesn't give us any bandwidth for actually connecting with what we need to do. And so what I've seen in my own experience is that when there's sloth and torpor, when the mind is heavy or dull, it's just like, okay, yeah, that's that's the way it is. And I see I can function much more than I thought I could. So those are a few reflections around sloth. And that's a, I'll repeat a little bit of that tonight probably in the, in the talk. Yeah. Oh, and use the mic. Oh, wait, let me turn the recording, recording on. Thank you.